Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a, a captive. An exile in Babylon. His life had been uprooted and turned upside down. There would be no years of service as a priest in the temple. But God had work for him to do amongst his people in Babylon. He had been shown something of the glory of the Lord. We saw that in chapter 1. And he was called upon to bring the word of God to the people. He was called to bring that word to people who are described as impudent children and stiff-hearted people who would not listen, who would not take heed to what God was saying. He was to speak unto them. So we see in chapter 3, verse 11. He was to speak unto them whether they will hear or whether they will forbear. His message was to be ever. Thus saith the Lord. He was called upon to be faithful amidst this hardness of heart and with all of this fresh in his mind we find that the spirit took him up And he experienced something afresh of the glory of the Lord. Chapter 3 verse 12. And here's this great statement. Blessed be the glory of the Lord from his place. I heard also the noise of the wings of the living creatures that touched one another. And the noise of the wheels over against them. And a noise of great rushing. There's something revealed to him once more of the glory of the Lord. So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away. But what was his response to all of this? Those next words there in verse 14. I went in bitterness in the heat of my spirit. I went in bitterness. Think of what he had experienced. Something of the glory of the Lord. An overwhelming 
sense of awe and reverence. Contrast it with this clear warning about the rebellion of the people, the hardness of the hearts, the fact that they would reject the word of God. They would reject Ezekiel and his message because he was proclaiming God's truth to them and doing so faithfully. He has moved to bitterness. He has moved to what is called here the heat of my spirit. Was this sorrow over the unbelief and rebellion of his people? Over the judgment that they now justly faced? Perhaps, actually, Ezekiel was righteously angry that the people were so set in their hardness against the God of glory. It is almost incomprehensible to think of puny man waving his fist at the God of glory and saying, I will not listen. Such demands God's righteous judgment. But Ezekiel now has this great testimony at the end of verse 14. But the hand of the Lord was strong upon me. The hand of the Lord was strong upon me. What a great comfort that is amidst a time of difficulty. Amidst a time when the task ahead would seem almost impossible. As the son of Adam, Ezekiel, like us, is a man of the dust. But he had that testimony, the hand of the Lord is strong upon me. Wasn't that Joseph's experience after he had been sold by his brothers? Sold as a slave. In Potiphar's house. And in the prison where he had been forgotten by those who he thought of as friends. The Lord was with Joseph. Joseph had a time of blessing there in that prison. Isn't it our promise given by our blessed Saviour? Matthew 28 verse 20 Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Christ is left us here 
Think about it. When the gospel message was brought before you, you saw your own sin. You turned in repentance and faith. It could have taken you out of this world. Delivered you from the presence of sin. But you've been left here. But not left here on your own. We have a risen Saviour. We have an ascended Saviour. We have an exalted Saviour. But we don't have a a Saviour who has abandoned us. Through the promise, through the work of the Holy Spirit. That other comforter of the same kind. Who has come. We can know this glorious truth, the certainty of the Lord's presence with us. Every step of the way in this life, no matter how hard, how difficult things may be. Verse 15. Then I came to them of the captivity. I came to them of the captivity. Everywhere around was this constant reminder of the national humiliation. Of the judgment of God. Captives. Once more. The people who had been delivered from Egypt. The nation which had been given so many blessed promises had not heeded the word of God and were now captives again. And Ezekiel too was a captive. Ezekiel who was God's servant, God's prophet was a captive as well. With his people. I sat where they sat. And remained there. Astonished among them seven days. He seems to have been in a a state of awe. Reverential wonder. Sitting there quietly. For seven days. Perhaps we should see it as seven days of consecration. For his coming work. Remembering that he. Would have been consecrated as a priest. To work in the temple. He was thirty. The age at which. The priests were consecrated. To begin their work. Perhaps this seven days was the final step of his preparation. He wasn't rushed into things. There was this seven days. And then we come. Verse 16, And it came to pass at the end of seven days that the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman 
on to the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. After the seven days, Ezekiel was commissioned as a watchman under the house of Israel. He was to be a voice of warning. The ancient watchman had a job on the city wall to look, to be careful, to observe. Was there danger coming? Was there an enemy coming? If there was, he was responsible to sound the alarm, to wake people up, to call them to action. A watchman. We could think of the work of the ancient shepherd leading the sheep, watching over them. Think of how David, when he was a shepherd, had to watch out for the wild beasts that would come and try to kill the sheep. And he was there to defend when he saw the danger. And the job of the shepherd was to watch out for dangers. Psalm 23 tells us, The Lord is my shepherd. Many blessed things said in that psalm. The people of the Lord are like sheep in a flock with a shepherd watching over them, leading them, guiding them, watching out for that which is dangerous the Lord is the chief shepherd and in the church Christ has given elders to be under shepherds First Peter 1 verse 1 the elders which are among you I exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed feed the flock of God which is among you Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither has been lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And Jesus gave us the warning in Matthew 7 verse 15. The need to beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves. The Lord has appointed those with responsibility for watching in the church. As a watchman for the Lord Ezekiel's duty was Simple, very straightforward. Verse 17 again. Hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. Hear the word of God and tell it to the people. 
He was called to do this accurately. To do it fully. He was to speak with authority. There was to be no room for confusion. No room for doubt. He was not to be speaking like perhaps God doesn't think this is the best idea. He was to say, thus saith the Lord. He was to be given God's word for them in their situation. In our day, the eldership of the church has the same responsibility. Indeed, everyone who is called upon to preach or to teach in the church must follow the same rule. We are not receiving new revelation from God today because the scriptures are complete. What we have is sufficient. Second Timothy 3.16 All scripture is given by inspiration. All scripture is theonostis, breathed of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God has spoken. God has given us his complete word. It is enough. It is sufficient to make the man of God complete everything he needs to know and do. We don't need more from God. We need to understand and know what God has said more fully. It takes time and work. It takes thinking. It takes faith. But we don't need God to give us anything more. We are not to be ashamed of what God has said. We are to speak with authority. First Peter 4 verse 11 If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion for ever and ever. Amen. We have God's word. God will be glorified when his word is opened up, when his word is proclaimed fully. We shouldn't be surprised at such a thought. I'm not here today to try to add my own ideas to what God has said. My job today is to try to to understand what the scripture says and explain it to you. Nothing more and nothing less. I won't do that perfectly. Your job is to listen. You have a responsibility. Yes, a responsibility to examine the scriptures to see if these things be so. 
a responsibility to hear what God has said and believe it. Act upon it. I'm not here to draw attention to myself, but to seek to bring you into the word of God. Thus saith the Lord. The message of the watchman, the duty of Ezekiel, was a very solemn one. Verse 18. When I say unto the wicked, Thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life, the same wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at thine hand. His blood will I require at thine hand if thou givest him not warning. That's one of the most solemn warnings in the whole of Scripture. It is a solemn responsibility to be a witness for Christ Jesus in our world today. There is always the danger, the temptation of keeping quiet. And so affirming someone else's sin by not giving them a warning. Do you see someone rushing headlong into a disaster? It is not gracious, kind or loving to sit back and quietly watch them. There is a responsibility to speak out. It is a responsibility before the Lord. Because that's why his people are here today. It is a particular responsibility for someone like Ezekiel who was called upon to be a watchman to proclaim God's word of truth to his people. It is a particular responsibility if you're called upon to get up into the pulpit and open God's word of truth. Sadly, amongst the broad spectrum of churches today, there are many. What can I say? But they have perverted God's word of truth. They are misleading people. Because they are not telling them what it says. Some of them are going as far as to explain it away. And say things like, well, that was what God was doing then, but now... God is doing something different. The same yesterday, today and forever. The Lord doesn't change. How he defines things hasn't altered. Do these things 
touch our hearts? Do we see the holiness of God? Do we see the glory of God? People rushing headlong to a lost eternity. Ezekiel was called upon to be a watchman. Let us be very careful to note sin brings death. It's a stark fact. Sin brings death. The wicked of verse 18 who does not receive a warning the one who is described as righteous in verse 20 but who has not been warned and who then dies in his sin both justly die in their iniquity. It was not the warning from the watchman that made them guilty. They were guilty already because they were sinners. Because they break God's law. Guilty. Guilty in Adam. Guilty in their own sin. Guilty before God because of that sin. We've got to notice that very strongly. It was not the warning that made them guilty. Romans chapter 2 verse 15. The thought is, is dealt with between verses 12 and 15. But verse 15. He's speaking of those to whom the law was not given. As it was to ancient Israel. He's speaking of those. He says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing, or else excusing one another. I don't know if it's ever struck you, but if you go and steal something from a thief, he won't be happy. He will see you as guilty probably want revenge we have a problem in our society with drug dealers demanding payment doing so with menaces they have something of God's law they know there is right they know there is wrong and when they know that at one point, 
they are guilty of the whole law. Everyone knows that sense of personal guilt about something. Even if it's only that they know somebody else is guilty. We have the problem of a low view of the holiness of God. We have a problem with a low view of the horror of sin. It is for the glory of the Lord and an act of his grace that a watchman is raised up to call people to account for their sin. Was this not the case with Jonah at Nineveh? Why did Jonah not want to go and preach that message? That message of judgment? Because he knew that if he preached a message of judgment, then if the people repented, they will be forgiven. He saw them as the enemies. He didn't want God's grace to reach down in forgiveness. The people of that city did not deserve to receive uh, the warning. But God was gracious. And when they repented, he forgave them. God doesn't always give a warning. We read in Romans 1 verse 28 of those who God gave over to a a reprobate mind. God removed restraint. And his judgment is to allow people to allow people to wallow in their sin. Verse 20 here. We see those who are described as righteous. When a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness and commit iniquity, and I lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die, because thou hast not given him warning. He shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. How can someone be described as righteous? But then it say that he shall die in his sin. And his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered. I think perhaps what our Lord taught in the parable of the soils is very helpful. Mark chapter 4 verse 3. The parable of the soils. Hearken. Behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass as he sowed, some fell by the wayside. And the fowls of the air came and divided up, and some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprang, it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some 
fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no fruit. Another fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some thirty, some sixty, and some an hundred. And he said unto them, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. No one is saved by a temporary profession. No one is saved by appearing for a season to be a Christian. The Lord Jesus made clear here that that happens. But there is no lasting fruit. No lasting fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They may have seemed to produce some good works for a time. But they were tripped up by sin, drawn into a life of sin once more. They did not have that true new life. If you would not, his blood will I require at thine hand. Christian folk have a duty to watch out for their neighbours. Galatians 6 verse 1 Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. Who are the spiritual? Those who are born again of the Holy Spirit. If you see a brother or a sister overtaken by a sin, then it is your duty to seek to restore such an one with that spirit of meekness. Not in a spirit of judgmentalism, not in a spirit of personal pride, self-righteousness, but a spirit of meekness, knowing your own heart, knowing that you too might fall into sin. And finally, let us note that repentance is key here. Verse 21. Verse 21. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he does not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned. Also thou hast delivered thy soul. The man of faith the man who, like Abraham, has believed God and had it accounted unto him for righteousness. He will hear the warning. He will respond by turning from sin. 
a changed attitude to sin. Seeing the horror of sin in the sight of God. He would turn from that life of sin. That change of mind, that change of life will be seen. No longer does every stumbling block, every opportunity to sin lead to a life of sin. Think for a moment of King David, Second Samuel chapter 12. What had happened with King David? He had sinned, he had grievously sinned. With Bathsheba. He had ended up with Bathsheba's husband sent to a certain death quite deliberately. What did the Lord do? The Lord raised up a watchman before him. His prophet, Nathan. What did Nathan do? Nathan appeared before King David. And he told King David the case of a rich man. A took a poor man's only you lamb. King David heard the words of Nathan. He saw the injustice of what that rich man had done. And he pronounced judgment. King David was right. But what did then Nathan do? Second Samuel 12 verse 7 Thou art the man What happened? How did King David respond to those words of Nathan? Verse 13. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. I have sinned against the Lord. He'd sinned against other people too. But primarily and firstly his sin was against the Lord because it was the law of the Lord that he had broken. Take time to read his prayer of repentance and faith in Psalm 51. It was an act of great grace uh, that the Lord had sent Nathan to David to warn him. when the Lord Jesus Christ was on the cross. In those hours before he died, there were two that were crucified with him. One on the right and one on the left. One seems to have been rather angry about the situation. But the other one, did he do? He confessed his own sin. He confessed that it was indeed just that he was being punished. We indeed justly. 
And he pleaded to be remembered of Christ when he came into his own kingdom. And so it was that he was given that blessed promise. Luke 23 verse 43. Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Christ Jesus came. He came to save. Came to save sinners. He came with a simple message. You read about it in Mark's Gospel, chapter 1. Repent and believe the good news, the Gospel. Dear friends, have you seen your own sin? Have you seen it as God sees it? Have you contrasted it with the glory of the Lord? Have you seen that God's judgment upon sin and upon you is right and true? And that your only hope is turning in repentance trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. This finished work on that cross. Knowing that he did not remain in that tomb, but rose in mighty triumph. Never liveth to make intercession for his people. Dear friends, will you look to the Lord? Dear friends, will you look to the Lord and ask him to raise up laborers unto the harvest? Men who will be faithful watchmen. Men who will... Proclaim, thus saith the Lord in our day and generation. This is the, the great need ever in the church. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Pray for those who have the responsibility of preaching that they might faithfully and boldly proclaim God's word of truth even as Ezekiel did in his day. Amen.